0: Hi, and welcome to the Hope Center podcast. We really hope you were encouraged to listening to this message today. If you would like to know more about the Hope Center, please feel free to visit us on www.hopecenter.ie or drop us an email at info at hopecenter.ie. Giving me the honor of getting to speak with all of you today. Um, my name is Kim Nassigale. That's my last name. And um, I have two daughters. They're ages 15 and 11. And my 11 year old last night when I called and told her or called to say hi to her, she was crying because her dad had gotten on to her about something and she said, can you please come home? <laughs> said, so you only want me to come home, so I'll hug you, and so that maybe I'll side with you, but um, they're awesome girls, and my husband is named Mel, and we have been pastors of a church called Summit Church in Pennsylvania, um, but we are from Texas, so we moved there about four years ago, so we love it, and we pastor a great church, but I just appreciate you all so much for um, giving me the honor of speaking today, and we've already had a wonderful time here so far and look forward to the days ahead, so thank you. Well, I um, I can relate very much to the woman in the video and the woman I want to talk to you about today. Um, I was raised in a Christian home, but when I entered high school, I began to make choices in my life, um, in order to fit in and to make friends, and really made some choices that cost me a great deal of pain, and I walked away from the Lord um, for a while. And around my senior year of high school, I decided that um, that I no longer wanted to live that life. But I really was afraid to come back to God because I wasn't sure. If he was going to reprimand me or what people would think, Um, but I decided to really make a true relationship with Jesus Christ, and uh, it changed my life forever, and I ended up going to Bible college and going into the ministry, and um, I can say that all of these years later, that it was the right choice for me. And so today, the the Jesus that I want to talk to you about is a Jesus that is very personal to me. I almost can place myself in this scenario um, very much so. And so you may have never heard this story before, and that's okay. I'm going to break it down so that you can fully understand it. And for those of you who have heard it before, I'm praying that maybe you'll hear a different view a little bit and and really relate it to your life. But this woman who we saw um, talked about in the video is a woman that had a conversation with Jesus at a well that radically changed her life forever. And I want to introduce you to a Jesus- that in one encounter with his scandalous love and grace changes absolutely everything. And so we see this story in the book of John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 42, and I'm not going to read all of it, but I am going to read portions of it and break it down for you. Now, um, I've been warned that there are some words in the American English language and in the Irish (laughs) English language that are, are different. So if I say something, um, I need it to be a good word, and you can tell me later. That was a really inappropriate word in Ireland. Ireland. Um, so I, I'm gonna do my best. But in John 4, 1 through 4, it says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So I want to pause here and explain to you that what is interesting about this is that Jews and Samaritans hated one another. Like they really hated each other. And Jesus happened to be a Jew. So, and again, Jews normally completely avoided a Samaritan. They wouldn't speak to them. They wouldn't look at them. They wouldn't go their direction. And they would actually go a completely different route so that they wouldn't have to go through Samaria. And going through Samaria was the quickest route, but they would take the really long way around so that they wouldn't have to encounter a Samaritan. But what I find interesting here is that in verse 4 it says he had to pass through Samaria. So Jesus had to pass. So why do you think he had to? I think it was because he was completely too. He knew that he had to cross enemy lines in order to meet this woman and change the course of her life. How many places do you avoid because it's uncomfortable or maybe you don't like someone? I know that we would all like to say that we wouldn't do that, but I know there's all people in our lives that we like to avoid because maybe there's some a family feud or there is some heritage there that we don't want to make friends with him. But Jesus is always willing to go where others won't. So we pick it up back in verse 5, and he says, So he came to a town of Samaria called Sichar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Now I love that it shows that Jesus got tired too because he wasn't sent from heaven in human form. and So while he was God and man, he got tired and he needed to rest. He had been working hard, but even in his rest, he was intentional about his conversations and encountering people who needed him.
1: The sixth hour would have
0: meant that it was around noon, and it was usually very, very hot this time of day, and so no one typically came out of their homes to fill their wells. They would wait. They would go early in the morning or wait till night, and um, they would never come out. So usually there was no one out on the streets, and we see this woman come out during this time. Now, the reason she came out was because it was most likely to avoid people. She didn't want to be talked about. She didn't want people staring at her because they all knew that she was making some choices that weren't right. She was sick of being gossiped about, and she didn't want to be seen by anyone. So there might be some of you here today that you have avoided stepping into a church until now because you've been afraid of what people would think or say or the judgment you would face or maybe even afraid how God would view you. In verse 7 it says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? This woman was shocked because it was, one, illegal for a man to even speak to a woman in public, and not only was he a man speaking to her, but he was also a Jew who should hate her. In verse 10 it says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and this well is deep, where do you get this living water?
1: Jesus was offering a gift to
0: her, something that she had been longing for. And this whole time, she's thinking, she's talking about water that you can actually drink. But he's trying to tell her, hello, if you knew this gift I had for you,
1: if you knew who you
0: were actually speaking with, I'm not just an ordinary man. Then you would want what I have to have. You would want this living water But she dismissed it, thinking it was actually water he was wanting. You have no water jar, and that well is super deep, she says. How are you going to get it? In verse 12, she says to him, Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. But Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will be, will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So what Jesus is basically saying here is, hey, you can keep bringing your jar and coming back in the middle of the day to draw this water, which represents a place of brokenness and shame in your life, you can keep trying to fill the void, but you're going to have to keep coming back, because it's never going to satisfy you. You're always going to have it if you take the water that I'm offering you. It will never make you thirsty again. And you can have this water anytime you want to access it. You never have to come back to this well again. You never have to come back in the middle of the day for, so that you have, can avoid people talking about you. She wanted water, that she would never have to come back to the well of shame again. In verse 16, Jesus says to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. So when we just read this story, we can think Jesus is being really cruel right now. And totally trying to embarrass her and tell her all of the things that she's done wrong. But this wasn't the case at all. See, wives couldn't divorce their husbands. Only husbands could divorce their wives. These men, her five husbands, had either died or divorced her. She had been rejected and experienced loss, not once, not twice, but five times. And the man
1: living with her
0: now was now her, not her husband, which was a sin issue. But Jesus, see, he wasn't a Jesus that would call us out in a hateful way or, ha, I caught you, you're doing something wrong. Um, But instead, he wanted to prove to her that she was seen and she was known. And that would have been really mean. It would have been really mean if... He would have waited there, waiting for her to come out in the middle of the day when she wasn't expecting anyone, and it would have been really mean of him to wait and call her out and shame her, but instead he was there when she came out of hiding because he had the answer she had been longing for. I can't but help to think that he did it in such a loving way, and he was connecting with her brokenness and saying, hey, I... I know the brokenness you have. I know the pain you've experienced. I know some of the choices that you've made. But I want to give you an invitation to walk out of that shame and to find healing and to find hope. You see, Jesus will ask you questions not because he needs to know the answer, because he already knows you inside and out
1: but because he wants you to know
0: that you can't have the answer that will heal you without him. He was inviting her into a moment of vulnerability and transparency to be fully seen and loved. Because, see, even these people that were making fun of her and staring at her and gossiping with her or at her, um, they didn't truly know her. They knew how many husbands she had. They knew the man that she was living with right now wasn't her husband. But they didn't know her. They didn't know the pain that she had been feeling. And she wanted someone to truly know her and love her anyways. You know... When you meet a stranger, so Jesus was a complete stranger. She had no idea that he was the Christ. She had no clue who this man was. So it's really hard to be vulnerable and open up your life and share your story with someone that you don't know, right? Is that hard for you all? If they were to say, tell me everything about you, even though I don't know you, it would be difficult.
1: So if you're a stranger, it's going to be
0: difficult for me to tell you everything. So I'll give you some snippets about my life and some edits of my worst self. But it's the closest people that are to me and God that I will let them know it all. So this was hard for her to understand what was happening. In verse 19, we pick it back up and
1: so he's just
0: told her everything about herself and he's a complete stranger, which
1: Honestly, wouldn't that freak you out
0: if a stranger came up to you and was told you everything about you, and you're like, "Who are you? Who have you been talking to? How do you know this about me?" Um, so she says, "And, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where where people ought to worship." But Jesus said to her, "Woman, believe me, the hour is coming." You see, here the woman is getting really confused about where she's supposed to worship because there were a lot of rules based on where you could and could not worship. But Jesus is saying to her, listen, I have come to change all of that. I have come to give people an opportunity to worship me wherever because the Holy Spirit dwells within you and God the Father is looking for people who will worship him wherever they are. This word um, truth here actually means nothing hidden, real, and authentic. So Jesus is looking for worshipers who will not hide anything from him and who will come to him with everything they have and everything they are and worship him. In verse 25, it says, The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he.
1: Just then the disciples came back and they
0: marveled that he was talking with a woman. Like the disciples were really concerned that Jesus was breaking a lot of rules today. But no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? They kept quiet. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And then they went out of the town and were coming to him. So in verse 28, we see that she left her water jar. The the jar that she had come to fill with water. So what did her water jar represent? It represented shame, it represented brokenness. It represented rejection. It represented sin. But she left it there at the well. She really could have cared less about those things because she had been given something in exchange. She had been given life. She had been given freedom. She had been given forgiveness. She had been given for the first time in her life unconditional love. Someone that loved her in spite of her. For the first time ever in her entire life, she was seen, she was known, and she was accepted. And the void that she had been trying to fill was now filled by him. And I love this last part. Says in verse 39 it says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of this woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So I love that this woman, as soon as she's able to, she leaves her water job, she runs back into her village, and she shouts at the top of her lungs, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. See you all, you've been talking about me, but this man doesn't know me and he just told me everything I ever did and he loves me anyways. And what amazes me is she went back to the people to share with them the Christ that she had just met, the people that were mean to her, that hated her, that talked about her, but she didn't want to keep that gift to herself. She wanted them to experience the same Christ that she had experienced. You see, he doesn't rescue you for you to keep the gift to yourself. When you come into a relationship with Christ, He doesn't intend for you to just keep it inside and to keep quiet about it. He wants you to share it with others. And what is amazing to me is that it says that the entire village came to know him. The entire village turned and gave their lives over to Jesus because of this one moment. So I want you to think about several things. Number one, Jesus doesn't question you to embarrass you. He is loving and tender, and he desires a relationship with you. He wants to invite you out of your shame, out of your brokenness, into freedom. So what are those things in your life that you are broken in, that you are experiencing pain in, maybe you're experiencing loss? Maybe you're hurting. What are those things that maybe would be your jar that you would need to leave and lay down? Maybe it's alcoholism. Maybe it's drug addiction. Maybe it's divorce. Maybe people have gossiped about you.
1: Maybe it's betrayal.
0: Maybe someone in your life is betrayed you, or turned their back on you? Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's you being unwilling to say that you need a God. Does it say to you that you're unloved, that you're unaccepted, or that you don't belong? The next thing I want you to think about is who in your life can you be vulnerable and transparent with? Is it is it Pastor Brian and Ann? You know, is it the team that they have? Who can you share your story with? Who can you introduce Jesus to? But what I want you to think about is: have maybe you you have already become a Christian? Maybe you have already invited Him into your life, but you still hold some things back from Him. You you forget that He sees all of you, and you forget to bring Him. Everything And so what I want you to ask yourself today is, have, have I brought him everything? Have I brought him my whole self? Have I brought him the areas of my heart that hurt, that I want to hold on to because it makes me feel better? And the last thing I want you to think about is, who are the people that you need to go and tell? See, stories, your story is powerful. Because it's your story and no one can argue with it. No one can tell you that your story is wrong because it's personal. And so when you share your story about how Jesus has changed your life with other people, they can't argue with you. So who in your life do you need to go and tell? Who do you need to reach out to to share with them that Jesus that they probably have never experienced before. A Jesus that loves them no matter what. I just want to pray um, for you all for just a few minutes. To just you know, to bow your heads that while to close your eyes. But Jesus, I thank you for being a loving, loving God. I thank you for coming to this earth to rescue us, to save us, to cleanse us from everything that we have done that we might be embarrassed of or ashamed of or things maybe that were done to us that have caused us pain. And Jesus, we just invite you here today to rescue us, to heal us, to free us. like to invite anyone who may not know Jesus. If you say today, Kim, I I need a relationship with Jesus and I want to invite him into my life today, would you just be willing to raise your hand? Is there anyone here today that says they would need a relationship with Jesus? Relationship with Jesus, but there are some areas of my heart that I need Him to heal. I'm in pain, and I need Jesus to heal me. Thank you. freedom in a whole new way and a relationship with you in a whole new way. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you so much. I'm going I turn it over to Pastor Brian and let him do whatever Thank Thank you for listening to today's message. We really hope that you were encouraged and inspired to go and live a life full of adventure and excitement and destiny, one that you were created to live from the very beginning of time. Thank you.